This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post Senate act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello. And welcome to Awesome Etiquette. Where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. On today's show, we take your questions on choosing bridesmaids, email thread considerations, another version of a cash bar, and how to handle unnecessary comments when you're out and about. For Awesome Etiquette Sustaining members, our question is about a not-so-tacky baby shower gift. Plus your most excellent feedback, etiquette salute, and a postscript on holiday cards. All that coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of our home offices in Vermont and is proud to be produced by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning. Hey, cuz. How's it going? It's it's going. You and I are on the, the home stretch of edits in the in the 20th edition. And I need to give props where props are due because our Sunday editing session was um like interspersed throughout ah. your kind of Sunday home life, which by the way was like just so our audience knows, was like the first weekend where Dan's back to a, a Monday through Friday weekends off schedule. We just didn't happen to have the weekend off because we had to work so much on the manuscript. <laughs> but it was interspersed between you hosting. And that was like it, it was like you were hosting. <laughs> I was, and it felt like a really big deal. This was, yeah. and I was saying to you, I think maybe the biggest gathering that Pooj and I have had at our house in almost two years now. To which I replied, you lie, thinking of our, our cousins gathering the other day. But you said that maybe the guests and, and just the fact that this wasn't family really put it over over the edge. It really did. So, somehow hosting family doesn't always feel like hosting to me. Like we're going to be way more forgiving and like. <laughs> and I try to hit a lot of the same marks, but I think there's a certain familiarity to it. Yeah. And so this was a group of Pooja's friends that she knows quite well. And they were all opting to get together as they do, but they wanted to invite their families. They wanted to start to introduce the important people in their lives to each other. Gotcha. So we ended up being in the rotation, the hosting house for this particular gathering that turned out to be whatever average family size was four rather than the one previously. So four times the size of their usual get togethers. And right. Lizzie Post, it went off without a hitch. It felt really good. Oh, good. Oh, good. What were the tell 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 kind of the audience? What were some of the elements of the party that you had to think about and balance? On top of it, you had the added, and I'm trying to balance like work. <laughs> like it was a lot of the classic stuff. I yeah. mean, just there's the current situation where we've got a combination of vaccinated and unvaccinated people. There were a lot of children at the party, so. Mm -hmm. 
we had to navigate setting up indoor and outdoor spaces and being sure that everybody was comfortable with and understood what the expectations were as far as interacting inside and mm -hmm. outside, vaccinated, unvaccinated. Mm -hmm. But I'll tell you all of that, if felt easy to do at this like familiar almost in our lives <laughs> yeah. people kind of knew what that dance felt like as a host and as a guest and okay. it wasn't too difficult to navigate in fact pooj and i didn't really talk a lot about it until about the day before where i just sort of checked in with her and said are, are you on this are you <laughs> yeah. feeling pretty good about it and she said yeah sure this is what i'm planning to do and da -da -da -da. i've talked to these people i'm gonna talk to those people but it wasn't it wasn't something that we had to coordinate on and invest a lot of time in. It was something that happened as part of that back and forth. Invite, RSVP, what can I bring? What are we doing about masks? What are mm -hmm. we doing about kids? <laughs> there was another complicating factor, though. What's and that? that was that you had a party where there was – there was – you had a party where there was a group of people that knew each other very well and were quite close – and then the people associated with them who really didn't know each other that well. Maybe I'd met this husband before, but not the other two or three partners. Right. Or... So in this particular case, all the wives kind of gather regularly as a group, and but they don't typically gather as whole families. So it's it's I, I see what you're saying now. So we were navigating a lot of the usual party manners, making introductions, making first introductions, remembering a lot of names, trying to mm -hmm. keep track of different names and people and whose kids belong to who exactly yeah these two live in the same town and know each other a little better that person's coming from the other direction and doesn't know anyone got to be sure that they're well taken care of all of those little hosting concerns and considerations that come up when you're dealing with first meetings and new encounters oh and again i, I haven't been doing a lot of those for the last two years so <laughs> It was kind of exciting, and I was wanting to report back to the show that a lot of those skills came back very naturally. And by the end of the party, we had that other delightful and familiar feeling of people saying, this was so much fun. I'd really like to do this again. And <laughs> maybe I can host all of these same people next time, or the next time we're going to get everyone together, maybe we could do it at my place, or That's so nice. even those little side conversations. Boy, this was so much fun, but it'd be really nice to be able to introduce our families with a little more time. Maybe we could make a plan to do something at some point. All in all, it felt so good to flex some of those muscles and to feel, I, I won't say a return to normal, but right. maybe to feel an, a new normal emerging mm -hmm. or to feel some familiarity and some comfort in this this new space that we're operating in while still making some new social connections. Very nice. Very nice. I am glad that you guys had such a good time. I was also glad that we were able to get our work done, too. I thought it, like the day balanced out really nicely between everything that you were juggling. And I know those weren't the only two things on the menu. But it was really encouraging to hear how happy you were when you came to our evening session about how wonderfully everything had gone. <laughs> and that's like a real, you know, those positive vibes um, are things I know you haven't felt in a really long time when it comes to hosting. And so I, I was happy for you that you got to experience that. <laughs> well, and it did turn on those etiquette muscles just a little bit. When I went back into the book, all of a sudden I was saying to myself, oh, yeah, yeah, this is like when that happened. Our host guest chapter just got made better by your, by your weekend plans. <laughs> that is all really cool. And thank you for sharing. And do you think that maybe we should get to some questions? Let's do it. 
Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions. You can email them to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Leave a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Or you can reach us on social media. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette with your social media post so that we know you want your question on the show. Awesome Etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, Mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? (laughs) StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. (laughs) After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. Story Worth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. Our first question is about reciprocating bridesmaids. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. Thank you for your wonderful show and the amazing advice that you provide. I am writing in on behalf of my friend Mirren, who recently got engaged and is in a bridesmaid predicament. She has four friends that she would like to ask to be in her bridal party. Her predicament is that her cousin, Danielle, had asked her to be a bridesmaid in her wedding. Due to COVID-19, Danielle canceled her formal wedding and was married in the backyard with only parents and siblings present in the spring of 2020. While Mirren was a bridesmaid, she was not at the wedding due to COVID. For a bit of background, Mirren has never been close to Danielle. Growing up, they saw each other at some holidays. As adults, they see each other about one or two times a year and text each other on birthdays. Other than that, they do not stay in touch. Mirren was actually very surprised when she was asked to be in Danielle's wedding. So here is the question. Is Mirren obligated to ask Danielle to be a bridesmaid in her own wedding? Sincerely, Helping Bridesmaid. 
Hi, Helping Bridesmaid. Thank you so much for the question. It is totally an etiquette classic. And the very quick and simple answer is that no, your friend Mirren does not have to ask her cousin Danielle to be a bridesmaid. The The issue of being a bridesmaid is not one that involves reciprocity. You don't need to have someone just because they had you and they don't need to have you just because you had them in the wedding party. And so it can feel a little awkward. I don't want to deny that. And Dan, you and I, this will be what you and I explore throughout the question. But from a straight etiquette standpoint, each bride gets to choose their own bridal party completely based on what's going to work for them and their wedding. It has, it has very little to do with, with whose weddings you've attended as a, as a bridal attendant. I like the simplicity of the answer, Cousin Lizzie Post. And <laughs> as you know, I also love complexity. So I also want to acknowledge that, like you said, that that idea that that reciprocity is something that you would keep an eye on or think about as you build your list, I don't think is a terrible thought, but it certainly doesn't constrain you in any way. It's not a it's not a have to. It's a you may. And in regards to that and sort of the, the amount of weight that I would give to it, I think there's some mitigating factors here that in my mind even make it a smaller factor. All, all of the complications around the way the wedding plans changed and the way participation happened but maybe didn't happen in person, mm -hmm. I think those things in some ways make that equation easier to balance. Not that you that you, that you you have to factor them in to begin with, but mm -hmm. I do think that in this particular case – I would be very comfortable saying that that really sounds like a situation where you should not feel I wouldn't even say obligated, but that that pull in 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 the direction of reciprocity. I want to give a second just because we do have time on this answer to flesh out the other side of it a little bit, which is um, if you're a person who thinks or hopes maybe that they'll be asked to be in a wedding party and. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And it doesn't happen. The polite thing to do is to accept this and just move on very happily as a guest. And I, I say happily, and I understand that, that that's going to take some getting to. Um, I, I myself have had people who I... I really would have liked to have been asked. I really would have liked to have been a part of things. And, and also due to the COVID-19 pandemic that, you know, wasn't even a guest at, at some of these people's weddings, you know, but it can feel like such a hit, especially when you are really close with someone. I understand that, that Mirren and Danielle actually aren't as close as, as some cousins might be. But for some cousins, this could feel like your sister or your brother or another such like sibling close family member. And it can really feel like a sting when you see four friends, some of whom may not even be friends with this person in another couple of years, you know, asked to stand in instead. And the best thing I was ever able to tell myself when I was in that disappointing position was that people do the best that they can with the moment that they are in. And this act of being in someone's bridal party does not in any way, shape or form 
actually say how much they love me or that I love them or that we are close. The particular instance that I am thinking of left me like it didn't absor- it didn't it didn't decrease the memories or it didn't like eliminate or erase the memories that I have of being sisterly close with this person. It didn't, you know, make me feel like I wanted to say no when there was a chance for us to finally get together. You know what I mean? Like it can feel like such a big deal. It can feel like you were left out of such a big moment, but in the totality of your relationship with this person, it's likely very very small and much less consequential then the moment, if you focus in on the moment, can can feel. It's a good reminder. And we certainly hear about people being included just because it's considerate of their feelings. We definitely hear examples of people who are included because they're a certain degree of separation within a family. And someone says, you know, it just it would feel better if I was sure to include the brother on that side as well as the brother on the other side or right. something like that. And that's a reasonable choice to make. But again, it's it's not something that you have to do. It really is true that weddings are filled with a lot of tough calls. And sometimes there's parameters in place that dictate. And sometimes it's a matter of your preference. But as the host of a wedding, as the person who's putting it together and whose big day it is, you've got a lot of latitude in that. I have a light thought that might also be a nice cap to this particular question, which is that we also get a lot of questions on this show about people that feel like they're asked to participate in too many of these (laughs) events. And as big an honor as it can be, and as good as it can feel to be included, the idea that you would be including people who are more distantly related or who aren't as close or just to have a number that fills out a party um, isn't always advisable either. So there's there's plenty of, of ways to approach a situation like this to feel good about it. Helping Bridesmaid, thank you so much for reaching out and asking the question on behalf of your friend. And also congratulations to your friend on the engagement. We hope that her wedding goes off without a hitch. Our next question today is titled Thread Thoughts. Hi, Awesome Etiquette. Thank you so much for your kind, thoughtful advice on such a wonderful array of topics. I have a business etiquette question. I was in an email conversation with two of my colleagues, and after some back and forth, one colleague asked me something that pertained just to me, albeit something that the other colleague might have been interested in. I decided to reply just to the question asker. But now I'm wondering if it would have been correct to keep both colleagues included in the thread. For context, the email in question asked me something about a particular piece of work I'm working on and then asked me if I wanted to meet for coffee to discuss it. The other colleague is not involved in this work and a few emails prior had dropped engaging in the email thread, but most likely had an interest in following the content of the conversation. Is it best practice to always include all recipients ad finitum, or is there a point where it becomes appropriate to pick and choose who you respond to? Is there a difference in protocol when one person is just CC'd in compared to both being included as primary recipients? 
I've done this before and had slightly awkward instances where the one colleague I've replied to will later re-add those who I deleted back onto the recipient list. My intention was to save people getting unnecessary emails that I thought weren't relevant to them, but on reflection, it might have looked like I was trying to keep information from them or exclude them from a conversation. Thanks for any insight you can provide. Best wishes, Rebecca. Rebecca, thank you so much for this question. I think that there is some really rich material here, and I appreciate your looking at the big picture and asking the big picture questions about what the standards are. And I also really appreciate your including the context detail. And Mm -hmm. that really helps in terms of fleshing out um, a, a more specific answer to your question. Big picture. I think that when there is an email conversation that's happening or back and forth or thread or discussion that you want to keep everybody who's involved involved. And that whenever someone ducks out or bows out, you want to acknowledge that in the same way how you begin things is important. The ways that we end things are also really important. And that being the basic understanding, I think the particulars of the case that you're describing actually have some really interesting components. Wait, Dan, can I jump in for one second here? Please. Just like overarching thought that hits me right off the bat is that if you're going to change the person that you're talking to or go from a group to a single person that you're going to address something to, why not just start a new thread? I think that is the very wise a positive and proactive suggestion and is absolutely okay. what what I would do. And I know that didn't happen to Rebecca, but like, you know, just up front, that would be a good idea, right? Well, so I so when I asked myself the big picture question, how would I respond to this? I was having that exact thought and yeah. then I saw the context detail that the other person had actually initiated a point of conversation that wasn't just only of interest to one person, was a direct ask of only one person in the group. So the person that sends the email that says, I'm interested in this topic, would you like to have lunch with me? And that isn't addressed to everybody who's on the email chain. Mm-hmm. I think that's a little bit rude. I think so, too. It's not something I would call someone out over, but I think that it puts you in the position of having to make this choice, which isn't an easy one. It puts the other person in the position of having witnessed an invitation that they weren't included in being issued. Not right. a terrible offense, but – there could be just some little awkwardness around it. It's not right. It doesn't show full social awareness. So I think that you then have a little bit of latitude in how you choose to reply. And I think taking that, that reply private stepping into the private space and replying just directly to that email, not including the other person, I think is is reasonable to do in that situation. The other person has already really narrowed the focus of that conversation down. Right. Right. You could opt not to do that. You could also include the other person in the reply and they will just witness you saying yes. And then that would give them the added benefit of being able to pick up on anything else that happened related to that conversation afterwards. I don't think you're in much trouble either way. And Mm -hmm. you didn't put yourself in that position. So I think whatever way you feel best about would be a reasonable way to go from that point. I also loved that the sort of juicy detail that the other person had essentially bowed out or wasn't really participating in the conversation for a while. (laughs) So that makes me think I would be more comfortable acting like they weren't there or not worrying too much about 
the impact that witnessing whatever exchange develops has on them. So I think you have even more latitude. Yeah, it brings the person who then asks the the more directed at you question and request for coffee. Like to, to it's like it gives more leeway for that to have happened in this way with the third person still attached to the email chain. What I'm very curious about your thoughts on, Dan, though, is the setup that Rebecca poses to us next, which is she's remembering back on moments where she did the thing of separating out the email chain only to have either the person who initiated it or someone else on the email chain bring it all back together, mm-hmm. you know, re-include people. And there are definitely times where I will hit reply and I've forgotten to hit reply all. Sure. And I'll kind of go, oh, shoot, I really should have hit reply all. And I'll rewrite the same email and say, just making sure this gets to everyone. Sorry, I forgot to hit reply all. And that kind of gets us all back on track. But I'm curious about the times where it's really important not to be messing with that reply all and to keep it all in because I do know People managing projects and larger teams or groups or things like that, it can be really important to have all those emails with the the particular subject heading that they have grouped together mm-hmm. and that that can really make a big difference. What, what do you think about the etiquette of, of kind of paying attention to that? I think that if you stick with the original idea, the big picture, that you keep everybody who's included included, you're in the best shape. For okay. a lot of the reasons that you that you just talked about. So like have side conversations on the side and don't like, you know, if you if you need to and then bring the whole thing to the group if it if it taps back to the group. But don't restart the chain with just one or two people. Instead, keep that group conversation happening the way it should. Exactly. And okay. for, for exactly the reason that you mentioned in terms of just getting everybody on the same page later, it being easier to pick up threads and conversations. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There is an idea that is raised in this question that's on the other side of that thinking, okay, which says maybe don't always include everybody. And the idea that it's important not to spam people or send them a lot of information that's extraneous or not useful to them mm-hmm. is an emerging business courtesy. And I think that you can honor that second courtesy if you start to feel like you've just got more people included than need to be included mm-hmm. by acknowledging and ending either an email chain and starting a new one or acknowledging people as you drop them out of the equation in some way. And it's much easier to do when you're excusing yourself from a conversation. Of course. Yeah. Which is something I'm seeing more and more of and is an honoring of this courtesy that mm-hmm. – if you don't have to be included, we don't need to have those emails flying around. Saying things like, feel free to to remove me now that I've given my two cents or, you know, if you don't need me for any more of this project, feel free to to not include me on the reply all, that kind of exactly. thing. Exactly. <laughs> Just yeah. put it but, – but but make it explicit. I guess the, the advice is to put it in the body of the email and acknowledge what's happening as you make conscious choices about including or not including people for good reasons. <laughs> I always like the version where when you're introducing people that you say, and now that I've introduced you, I'm going to step out and you guys can start a new email chain together or something like that. Mm -hmm. And it both, you know, or it's the other one where it's now that, you know, Gillian's introduced us, 
Gil, I'm going to start a new e- email thread without you on it. <laughs> like, you know, that way we're not blowing up your inbox. Um, and I always think that's a really thoughtful one when I see it. And I think is a space where people are really more familiar with the practice. There was one other part of this question that I thought really deserved a mention, which was the question about whether or not there's any protocol difference when you're uh, including someone as one of multiple recipients or whether you're including someone as a CC or okay. a carbon copy. And there isn't. There isn't a particular rule that says when people are on this line, they get included in replies and this line, you can drop them out or something like that. But I do I think f- of them as all equal, even though they are different lines. <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm curious if we're going to get any feedback about that. But in my world, Dan, if I put you on a CC or I put you on the two line, doesn't matter. You're included and, and should pay attention, you know? <laughs> Functionally, they work very much the same way. Yeah. And having said that, I do think there is something to that distinction, even if there isn't a big difference. In the same way we talk about the order that you include people on a line, it really doesn't matter. It has no impact on which email arrives first or who reads it first or second. But mm-hmm. as a practice, when I was new at Emily Post, I'd always put your father, my boss, first. <laughs> and I would put people that were lower in the organizational hierarchy following. And then I would include us fifth generation, least <laughs> senior members at the end. So it's a way to acknowledge hierarchy, but whatever choices you're making, and in the same way, I think that maybe clustering people in the top, to yeah. me, indicates, or in the, the two field, that they're part of an active conversation. The CC, to me, indicates more, this is for you to have, to have to read, mm-hmm. um, but I'm not necessarily as expecting that you're participating or replying. So I do think there is something to the order in that that top line about recognizing hierarchy in an organization. In our organization, our hierarchy was three people at the top. And I made sure with our emails that I always switched up which one I spoke to because Uh one was my father, one was your mother, and one was our other aunt. And our our other aunt, Peggy, lived in Florida and often didn't feel like the the same inclusivity because she wasn't in the office. And so it was – I always thought really courteous to either put her name first or just keep switching them around so that there was no default. Um, and, and because – our hierarchy wasn't like terribly stressful hierarchy, I would say. Mm-hmm. I also really tried to do that among just all the people that we've worked with over the years. So it's like, you know, kind of the first person is the one it's like either most likely going to impact or or something like that, or that I'm really speaking directly to, or if it really is the whole group, then change it up as frequently as you can so that it doesn't feel like a kind of a standard order that gets established with no real reason for having it been established. I'd completely forgotten that little detail. But once you mention it, I remember us talking about that many, many years ago. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Rebecca, thank you so much for this business etiquette question. We really appreciate it. And we hope that our answer helps. Do you know what we mean by sharing? Do you know what kinds of things we share? Do you know why we share and how we share? Let's find out. Our next question is about a new kind of cash bar. Dear Dan and Lizzie, thankful for your insightful podcast. I've been an avid listener for a few years now, but have especially looked forward to new episodes since the onset of the pandemic. Such a breath of fresh air and conversation. I have a question about an invitation my boyfriend and I recently received to our friend's engagement party. 
Underneath the customary date, time, and place, local beer garden or bar, it stated that a $45 open bar cost will be collected at the door. This gave me pause. It was followed by canapes will be provided and gratuity will be covered. Hmm. I understand that everyone has different budgets in which they have to work. However, the most obvious choice to me would be to provide canapes and the, I'm sure included in the contract, gratuity. And just have a cash bar where guests purchase their own drinks. I wonder if there are non-drinking guests. Or those that are driving. Are they required to foot the $45 charge? Is this a cover charge to enter the party? I've been to a good amount of events in my time, and while socially rusty from the pandemic, this was new to me. Is this a new norm? We are excited to celebrate this milestone in our friends' lives, and will be attending and, of course, paying the open bar charge. However, this seemed like an appropriate question for my go-to etiquette experts. With thanks, B. B, thank you so much for writing in. And I, I have to say, while our world has changed, it has not changed so much that etiquette would suggest it's okay to have a cash bar for guests that you invite to a party. And this seems to me even kind of like a, we're trying not to impose costs on you. See, we're paying for canapes and gratuities. And My suggestion would just straight out the gate be that the better way to do this if you're in a budget constraint situation is to really think about hosting it from a venue that you can afford to host it from where you can afford to cover all the costs. And it's why a lot of people for an engagement party do a a casual party at home or or even just a, a champagne toast kind of party at home. But to ask your guests to pay a $45 cover charge so that you can be at a, a beer garden, you know, and enjoy your time with them, it feels it, – it, it, it just it strikes the wrong note from an etiquette perspective. And it, and it still strikes the wrong note from an etiquette perspective even, even at this stage in our kind of new norm, as you say. Lizzie, I was curious about some of the other questions that this kind of invitation brought up in B's mind. For example, I'm not a big drinker. Yep. Is this a cover charge or is this a pay for the bar kind right. of charge? Could Venue I go? Fee. Yeah. And maybe just get a seltzer that I pay for myself and be a part of this. And I think that at the bare minimum, having some sort of accommodation for people so that they could participate if they didn't want to pay that $45 fee would maybe uh, address some of the concerns that very mm-hmm. legitimately come up. I, it wouldn't get you within the bounds of what we think of as social expectations. It wouldn't fulfill your role as a host, but it would show some consideration for your guests or some uh, effort to make to, to provide some options for people that might or might not want to participate the way you're outlining. I think so. Like I I would have been more keen on seeing these hosts invite people to come to this very beer garden and and pay for the canapes and say we will have two, you know, signature cocktails or we'll have, you know, beer and wine available for folks and then the parentheses if you'd like something else. I wouldn't say the bar is open and available because that would suggest that you're footing the bill, but you're you're welcome to get your own drinks or or do your own thing. But I just can't get behind the idea that it sounds like a confusing situation. There were I, I was imagining that these hosts, and they may not have, but I was imagining that these hosts got a bunch of questions similar to, well, if I don't drink, do I have to pay the $45? Or 
there's no way I could drink $45 worth of alcohol, even if it's really expensive alcohol, you know, do I really have to pay $45 to come? I, I like, I just think that they probably in an effort to describe what they want and how things would be handled at their party, they ended up, I think, creating a lot more questions. And even for guests who said, eh, heck, we'll go along with it. We'll pay $90 as a couple to attend your engagement party. I just don't think it, it's working as a, as a good solution. It, it's not something you're going to find us putting in the in the 20th edition as a good idea. Maybe even warning against, perhaps. Maybe, maybe even warning against. B, there's one other thing that we really have to say while we're looking at this particular question, and that is that you are just doing awesome here. I love the spirit that you are intending to wear when you participate in totally. this Totally. Of course we're excited to celebrate, <laughs> and of course yes. we'll be attending and paying whatever they ask and having a good time doing it. And I just I, – I so appreciate that. I really, really do. And I'm glad that you included it because that is the spirit of good etiquette. And it lets us look at the unfortunate situation that you're that you're presented with and to think about it and think about it critically. What about it doesn't work? What about it might work? But then to also say, you know, that's not going to impact us, us and the good much. spirit yeah, that we bring exactly. to this event. Exactly. And Thank you for bringing this question to the Etiquette Podcast, for letting us play with it, and thank you for keeping your good spirit as you plan to attend this party. This isn't a very unusual scene. You've probably been to parties like this yourself. Lots of them. A bunch of us kids get together at somebody's house every now and then, and there's music and dancing and just general fun. The only thing different about this particular party was what happened to spoil the good time everyone was having. It all began when the telephone rang. And Susan went to answer. Our next question is titled, You Are Not My Cheerleader. Hi, love the podcast. It's fun and informative and challenges me to do better sometimes. I was out running earlier today and I had a little interaction with a woman who was out walking on the same trail in the woods. We said good morning. Then she said, great job. It all starts here. Now, all I can think is that she looked at me and thought, how great is it that a fat lady is out running and she wanted to encourage me? Well, I'm not so much encouraged as irritated. I'm a longtime runner and my body type has always been on the round side, sometimes more, sometimes less. I can't think of any other reason for a comment like the one she said, can you? Or am I over-interpreting this? I think that people watching is great fun, and I do it all the time. I think good thoughts about the people who look like they're challenging themselves out there. But I think a comment like this will almost always backfire. Everyone wants to be treated like all the other folks. My question is, would it have been rude for me to stop and say in a friendly, upbeat way, Hey, don't do that. You don't know where I've been or where I'm going. I'm sure she didn't know how that landed. And maybe she'd like to know. Or do I just let it slide off? Anne in Seattle. Oh, Anne in Seattle. I'm sorry that this happened and it left you feeling so uncomfortable and like you wanted to take some kind of action. I also thank you for sending in the question. The first thing that you asked was, can you think of any other reason for a comment like this? And 
I wanted to say I, I absolutely can. I could think of a lot of different interpretations or ways that something like that might have been said. Oh, I'm curious because I can only think of one or two. I'm curious. What have you got, cuz? <laughs> but I also think that the most likely one is the impression that Anne in Seattle got that yeah. I'm really ready to trust Anne's judgment that that comment was about her size and the activity of running and that one is in relation to the other. Yeah. And the other interpretation, if I remove that from my mind, just says it all starts here. Like this is, this is a run. This is us getting going together. This is the beginning of our run, our day, our interaction. But I think that most likely Anne knows what this person is talking about. Mm hmm. I also don't think that there's a lot that you can really do in an in-passing interaction like that. I think that mm -hmm. because there is some uncertainty about what was meant and what the intentions or ideas behind that are, that it can be really difficult to try to confront or address one of those possibilities without mm -hmm. assuming a lot about someone that you wouldn't necessarily want to assume in that moment. Lizzie Post, what do you think about this? I was going to say, I have a number of thoughts on this, being being someone who has gone running to, to lose weight and wondered what other people thought of me as I was out on my journey and things like that. But also just as a as a runner who has had moments where I've been so encouraged by the activity of running that whenever I see someone else who's out there. And, and for me, I tend to do my running in the morning. So it's like that six, you know, that six, six thirty AM, the, the crew that you see out, like starting their day, like you said, Dan, you know, starting your day together out by getting some exercise in. I have so, and, and especially at times where that running was really important to me, I've wanted to congratulate every single person who is out there running, walking, biking, like whatever they're doing. I just want to be like, yes, good for you. Or, Something like that. And at the same time, I I believe that I was smart and, and polite by not doing that to other people because you don't know where they are in their day. I think instead saying things like, so great to be out here, wonderful day, like get at it early – all things that would be preferable to uh, what was the direct quote, great job, it all starts here. I even think that like like telling people great job is it's it's close to being not appropriate because you don't know what their goals are. This might be the worst run of, of Anne in Seattle's life today. I think that saying things that are way more generic, it's okay. I'm always appreciative that most of the runners that I run by now make eye contact and just give a nod. Every now and again, there's a thumbs up. And I try really hard to do that to every person I pass, not just the ones who look like maybe this is a hard run. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's not our job to be everybody else's cheerleader. Like put, put those vibes out from a, a place of intention and, and, and vibe as opposed to actual words. Um, I, I agree with Anne. I agree with you. I think this probably was meant as a positive way to encourage someone that this woman thought needed encouragement. And it's, it's a it's a step too far in in the world of politeness in public spaces. It is so incredibly important to not use what we can physically observe of someone 
as an indication that we know where they are or what their goal is, what they're up to, what they're even doing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's really, really important that we don't cross that line uh, because it creates situations like this when, when we do. And, and again, as I said, you know, earlier in my comment saying beautiful day, saying so glad to be out here, you know, those are, are much more broad and less implicating than a comment like, good job, it all starts here. Like you, Dan, I don't think that it would be appropriate to say, um, excuse me, hey, I know you thought that was a compliment or encouragement, but I should really tell you how it lands. I think we're all within our right to tell people that kind of stuff, but I also think it's not wise or, or overly polite to do so. What I would say, cousin, and, and I would feel no bad badness, so you can tell me if I should feel bad about saying it, is as she shouts, great job, it all starts here, I would probably shout back, not my first run, but you have a nice day. Like, you know, and not not saying it nasty like I just kind of did, but instead like, not my first run, but have a great day. Like, there we it's go. enough of just a Oh, you like it? Okay, good. No, that tone, um, it, it, boy, it really matters. <laughs> did you see or heard the difference there, right? <laughs> um, but I think that's the kind of thing that you know, would just be a little bit of a reminder. I would think the other woman would have picked up on it that like, oh, like I don't, you know, but I also think you don't go the other route because her, it all starts here. Do you mean like we're all starting our day here? Do you mean like, like, what do you mean? The great job to me indicates that she probably did think you were on the start of some kind of exercise physical journey. But the other, the all starts here. I, I just don't know. I don't, I don't know what she means by that and where exactly she's referencing it. And it's, it's what would stop me from really going after it. Um, in terms of like a longer conversation where I try to stop her and let her know her point. There's a great scene. And, and then I, I promise Dan will be done. Um, <laughs> but there's a great scene in uh, the TV show Shrill on Hulu, if you've ever seen it, where this woman is in a cafe. It's like the opening scene of the first like episode. And she's looking at a, at a like poster that, or not a poster, but like, um, you know, when someone uh, prints out a little flyer and there's the take my number, well, she's looking at all the flyers that are up there. And apparently a woman who's posted the flyer and it's for exercise, I can get you to be the shape you want to be. She she really like says, oh, go ahead, take it. You should take it. You there is a thin person inside of you just waiting to get out. Right. She's saying all these really bad things that she thinks are really encouraging this person to take a step towards doing something when really the star of the show is fine as she is, you know, or at least learns to be throughout the show, but is like not looking to go on some crazy weight loss journey or, you know, become a different person than she is physically right now. And it, it just... It's such a wonderful illustration of of just how bad assuming that everyone wants has the same goals and ideals is when it comes to like physicality and 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 working out and things like that. The show deals with this kind of stuff a lot and it's a really good subject. It's a good thing to start to be really aware of that just weight loss and body shape is so much more than I think what uh, we've been programmed to think about it over the past 50 years. What I love about the sample script that you gave 
is that it follows all the advice that you would want to give to the other person. That your mm -hmm. sample script is built out of referencing yourself and your own reactions and things that you can be really confident and own. Mm -hmm. Not my first run. Have a great day. <laughs> However that comes out. But that, that's yeah. about you. And you're, you're not making any of those assumptions about where that other person's coming from or interrogating them or asking them or trying to interpret them. You're really just say, offering something back. Like, do you just ask them, hey, what do you mean by that? <laughs> Again, with the right tone, probably a better <laughs> thing to do than to actually assume you know what they meant by it and call them True, out right? for it. <laughs> Although, what do you mean by that's a pretty big call out uh, we should acknowledge. <laughs> but I, I, I think it's a good illustration, though, of how sound that advice is that when we're talking about quick exchanges, when we're talking about people that we don't have a lot of rapport built up with, that we don't know a lot about really keeping the way you comment about things and what you share reference to yourself and not commenting on the other person, what they're doing, how they look is really wise. And it can be really hard when someone says something hurtful to just let it slide off your back. And it's not that it's always your responsibility to just take it. But we hope that our answer helps, that this gives a chance to process and think about it a little bit. And I hope Lizzie's answer gives you some ways that you might <laughs> respond in the moment. Um, but that our broader questions also help everyone, because I do think by bringing this issue forward, hopefully we can reduce this kind of offense being given in general. Almost anyone can find some source of exercise with little or no equipment. It's up to you to see that your body gets the activity it needs for better physical and mental health. Thank you for your questions. Please send us updates or feedback on our answers to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. You can also reach us on social media. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we are awesomeetiquette. Just remember, use the hashtag awesomeetiquette with your post so that we know you want your question on the show. If you love Awesome Etiquette, please consider becoming a sustaining member by visiting us at patreon.com slash awesome etiquette, where you'll find memberships that start at a dollar per month. You'll get an ads-free version of the show and access to bonus questions and content. Plus, you'll feel great knowing that you help keep Awesome Etiquette on the air. And to those of you who are already sustaining members, thank you so much for your support. It's time for our feedback segment, where we hear from you about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. Today, we have feedback from M. Good morning, AE team. I was just listening to episode 368 and had some feedback on the question about Amazon baby shower gifts. It might be a little late for this listener, but one idea would be to create a new shipping address addressed to baby last name or parent B last name with the B representing baby or something similar. I'm using baby because we personally chose not to find out the sex of both our kids. But if the name has been chosen or announced, that could be another option. This would definitely help separate shower gifts from your own purchases. M. I thought this was so smart. 
This is such a good idea. It makes it so simple and easy, and you can work within the system. You're not even really tweaking the system. M, thank you so much for this suggestion. Etiquette details. Woohoo! And thank you for sending us your thoughts and updates. Please keep them coming. You can send your feedback or update to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. It's time for our Postscript segment where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette. And today we're going to discuss holiday cards. Dun, 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 dun. Cue the snow for those of us in the north. <laughs> Must be sometime between Halloween and Thanksgiving. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, but holiday cards are one of those topics, Dan, as you know, that people really write in to us about annually. I think it's one of those things where sometimes no matter how many times you've done them, you can still have questions or have a moment where you second guess yourself or if you want to change up your holiday card routine, you mm. might have questions about that. So we thought we would go through and sort of do a primer on holiday cards this time of year. I have so upped my game since the start of this show, and I think oh, a good. big part of that has been our return to these each year. And I think one year <laughs> I even set an intention that I was going to get my spreadsheet well organized with all the names and addresses and set myself up for the future. I love how that's your version of it, where my version of it is is definitely the, ooh, and what kind of card are we going to create and craft this year that I'll send out, you know? Because, like, for me, it's all about the crafting aspect of it, like yeah. breaking out the glitter and the glue and the, you know, paint pens or the, the pencils, like whatever, like, medium I want to be working in. It's about trying to find the most kind of fun and festive uh, way to apply it. And then, and then, of course, you make your list <laughs> so for sudden, me, it's like i go the other way you feel know? so cold <laughs> <laughs> oh i didn't mean to make it sound that way you're very organized cousin very organized but it does lead me to our very first point which is that when it comes to the type of card that you choose to send they can be printed and and pre or, or they could be pre-made or they could be homemade so you can kind of run the gamut between picking up something that's already got a message written in it and is is ready to go out of a nice little card set package that you get at your local stationer, or you could do something like, I know there are tons of, of printing sites. Vistaprint is coming to mind. I don't know if that's the right one to suggest. One of many, um, many, yes. One of many, 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 like where you can get something that's a little more customizable for what you want, but still simple and effective and, and printed. And then there's, of course, the homemade version where, where you're hand making each card to, to some degree. And and, and sending those out. And it, it just matters not which one you use. Every single one of those is going to feel likely authentic to the exchange that is happening, which is you wishing someone in your life well this season. Because this isn't something that you have to do. When you make the effort, that is the thing that connects with people. And yeah. the particulars of that card when it arrives are important, but fall um much further down the scale of importance than the fact that you actually made the effort and that you did it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because one of the other big questions that we get around these cards are photos or no photos. What's what's your take on photos versus no photos? 
I think it's a personal choice. I love yeah. them personally. Yeah. I I love that annual update. And whether it's the the picture that's sort of the classic what I think of as traditional you know, when you get your pictures printed that's then tucked into a card that's either okay. one of those cards that you talk about picking up in a set or that you've handmade. But then there's the version that is much more common in my life today, which are mm -hmm. the the cards that are created out of pictures, where you essentially are getting a postcard that's wishing you season's greetings or happy new year, or happy holidays. And like using it, one of those kind of services to create a exactly. card or something. Yeah, totally. And maybe there's a, a family picture on one side or a picture of an individual on one side. And then maybe on the back, you have an opportunity to do some different kind of pictures, some candidates, the pets, whatever, whatever else. <laughs> Or maybe it's just a message. Because you just brought up a really great point when you said of some of some people or the individual. And we do get the question for those who are, are independent or living on their own. Is it weird to send a photo holiday card if I'm the only person in the photo? And the answer is absolutely not. In fact, a lot of people choose to take a photo or have a photo from, you know, their adventures. If it was like a great hike that you went on from the top of a mountain or a vacation or trip that they were on or even just a photo from being at home doing their own crafting or something, you know, hobby that they enjoy or something like that. It's perfectly fine to do a photo of you solo if that's the way your life happens to be. And it is also perfectly okay to include all the pets. That is, that's another one that we often get a question about. And I think one of the things I always loved was that Growing up, uh, a lot of our friends and family did this style where I think like a photo shop would actually print like uh, something extra on the photo that says like season's greetings or something like that. So your photo is like a little smaller than the standard sizes and then they use the extra space to put the well wishes or the greeting on it. And my parents always saved all of those and put them in that year's photo album at the end of the year. So you kind of got to see over the years, all these people that we exchanged Christmas cards with, um, for us, they were Christmas cards, you know, uh, over the years, like growing up and their families expanding, like we have my godmother's family throughout all the years. And you see how now there's grandchildren and everything. And it's really heartwarming. So um, don't be shy with the photos. You don't have to use them. But but anyone, anyone certainly can. Lizzie Post, you bring up another good question. Merry Christmas, season's greetings. We get questions about that. But what yes. do you say in general? What or and what I guess is the other sort of corollary question, what should be avoided? Ah, ah, I see. Yes, no, you pretty much the goal here is some kind of either seasonal wish or well wish. So you might tie it to a specific holiday because that's the holiday that you celebrate and you want to wish that uh, good cheer out into the world, and that's perfectly okay. You might tie it to just the season, and that's where we get a lot of happy holidays, season's greetings, may this season bring you light and joy, things like that. And then you might keep it a little more, what I would say, basic, but still super welcoming and lovely, which would include phrases like warm wishes to you. Some people choose to focus on the, the changing over of the new year. So it might be like wishing you happiness and joy in the new year or something like that, that can tend to be a little bit more broad. And I'm, I'm a big fan of the new year's one. I don't know what you guys end up putting on your cards for the year, but I tend, I tend to go the, the wishing you well in the new year kind of a route. 
But those are the things that I would aim to think about saying is just a general good, good wish, good cheer, good merriment, you know, kind of feel to that general greeting that you might put on it. Of course, all of the usual extras apply if you're going to see them soon. Looking forward to seeing you in the new year or anything that personalizes the message. But it doesn't need to be long. This is just a quick right. touch base. Absolutely. Dan, I'm curious, how do you and your family tend to sign your holiday cards? Is it like the Senning family or do you do everyone's name? Do you include Raju? <laughs> like, you know, what's what's the game plan at the Senning house? Well, I guess the first question that comes up around signing is do you actually physically sign it yourself? And confessions oh. and offering etiquette dispensations, we don't. We, we use a service that does have our cards printed and that, that magical spreadsheet that I was mentioning at the start has addresses <laughs> in it and names and those all go into the system and then they just go out. And That's nice. No, that it, for ease of everything, that is nice. And we should officially say it's perfectly polite. It's okay to do it this way. And for people that feel uncomfortable about that, who really want to physically touch the cards themselves, who want to add a personal note or a personal yeah. signature, it's okay to use one of those services and have them send the the cards to you to send mm -hmm. on. But there isn't anything impolite about taking advantage of those services if they if they are available and that's what you're doing. And I just wanted to mention that. Um, in terms of whether you sign it individually or from the family, I think you think about who's represented in the card. And mm -hmm. there are definitely more personal holiday cards that I send that are from me where I'm sending it just oh, to a friend and okay. it's, it's not part of that big bulk send, but it's just mm -hmm. this person was always really good when we were growing up about sending my parents a card. So I make sure to respond in kind now that I'm an adult that I would sign coming from me because it's not from the whole family, but mm -hmm. the, the card that really has the picture of all of us and is going to the people that are connected to all of us mm -hmm. that's from the sendings or from all of us yeah and do you ever do one where it's from dan puja anisha aria and raju with a little paw print you know like after raju so that they know like this isn't like new kid or anything not yet but that would be adorable <laughs> I always like it when they include all the names, but when you are thinking about doing something like that where you're doing individual names versus the family or, you know, the sendings, that sort of thing, it is perfectly fine to sign those names in any order that you wish. Typically, if if sort of kids are involved, if we've got two generations, you do the parents first and then the kids and then the pets, but it matters not which order the kids go in, which order the parents are listed in, um, or even what order the pets are listed in, uh, you really can sign those sort of in any way, in any way that you like. Lizzie Post, who's getting these cards? Who should we be thinking about? <laughs> Anybody you want to. The nice thing about holiday greeting cards like this is that they are both um, so well-wishing and so casual that it's okay to send them far and wide. Uh, you could send them to your colleagues at work. You could send them to uh, more distant relatives that you don't do gift exchanges with or you see during the holiday seasons. Um, you can send them to f friends old and new. You might have friends that you barely ever talk to, but you do a holiday card to them each year and they absolutely love it. I am thinking of people uh, in my own life who <laughs> 
you know, my, my card list, because they're all handmade, is pretty small. I, I keep it a small list. And I am always so grateful that a lot of other people have kept me on their list, despite yeah. the fact that I might not send to them every year. It's totally 100% up to you how you choose to make up your list each year and who ends up on it. And there might be some years where you do the big send out, kind of like what, what Dan described, where you get them printed and they just go straight from the printers out and off they go. And you might have sent those far and wide, done like 500 of them or something. And the next year you might do all handmade cards and only do them to 10 people. And it's it's really okay no matter what you do. You can switch that list up as you like and you can expand it, shrink it, whatever. Lizzie, I'm so glad that you mentioned work colleagues and friends mm. old and new because I was thinking a little bit looking at this bullet in our show script about what an opportunity this time of year, this tradition is to make connections. And we often talk about the value of traditions or leaning into traditions or looking for the reasons why they've lasted or have been handed down and try to honor those reasons by figuring out how to modify or adapt them so that they continue to function really well. And what you just described of staying connected to people over distance and this really being an opportunity to have just an annual check-in that reminds you of them mm-hmm. is one example I had in my mind. The other is the new friend who yes. isn't somebody you've ever exchanged uh, maybe a physical card with and mm-hmm. the opportunity to bring them into your circle and share a little something is, is really rich as is that opportunity at work. And earlier in this postscript, I mentioned that there had been a time doing the show where I had said, oh, I want to get better at doing this. And I wanted to commit to putting together my spreadsheet. So I was better organized and better able to execute it. I've got this little thought in my mind that I'm wanting to do that for us at Emily Post. That oh, my, yes. my this year version of that commitment is that I'd love to bring some of these skills from from my social life into my work life in a in a bigger way and i love the idea we we used to do a lot more of it but as the crew has shrunk and and changed over the years you know the the priorities have changed and i like the idea of making that a priority again so who to send it to anyone you can anyone you can hey dan there's actually something i'm thinking of on this topic that's not on our list so can i throw you a curveball oh please do Okay, I got asked this in an interview last year, and it it set off an interesting discussion. And that was, what do you think about the sort of self-deprecating or jokey tones that some of these cards have taken over the years? Like, for instance, here's your nice family photo, and then the caption under it reads, we've never looked like this for more than the half second for the click, you know, of, of the camera. Mm-hmm. It's it's the kind of stuff that says, like, we're never really this put together, but we did it just for you or something, something like that that kind of, like, pokes fun at the idea of sending the card or that your family, you know, what your family might look like in the card, things like that. What What's your take? This is not a curveball is my first take. Oh, okay, good. I'm kind of glad to hear you say that. Okay, I was thinking cool. about humor. <laughs> and I've been thinking yeah. about humor since you proposed this postscript a couple of weeks ago. Okay. Because I very clearly remember giving the advice to be careful about humor when we yes. did a version of this postscript in previous years. And I think it's a good piece of advice to keep in mind. Humor can be tricky. It's really hard to write funny. I think people need to be. We have learned that ourselves. (laughs) There is so much that comes across in your tone of voice, that twinkle in your eye, just the the good humor in on your face that can help Mm. a joke land in the way that you intend. 
And it, it's just riskier when you don't have all that information. I think it's good advice, particularly if your humor runs cynical or sarcastic. Yes. That, that the, the, the humor that has that hint of negativity or plays with the idea of joking around negativity is something to be particularly careful about if you're talking about writing it down. Having said all that, the year that we gave that advice, which was last year, when the holiday cards arrived, absolutely our favorite one and the one that went to the top of the fridge and stayed there for the longest was hysterical. And <laughs> it was a family that had Mine taken too. a picture of themselves in all sorts and the the copy read, I'm fine, we're fine, everything's fine. <laughs> And for a pandemic year, like in a pandemic see. year and with the really like good spirit of the picture itself, it was hysterical. And I think that it's wise to be careful with it. But I also don't think that it's verboten. I don't think that it's not allowed. And yeah. um, when done well, it can it can really work. We, I had a friend who she and her two kids, the photo of them this year was just of their socks. So the three sets of feet lined up in just socks. And it said, well, this year socked, but we are wishing you the happiest of holiday seasons and we can't wait to see you soon. You know, just yeah. referencing again, the pandemic being difficult, but the play on words was cute. And even though it was referencing something that's been frustrating and hard and incredibly tragic across the entire globe, it it did give give that sense of smile and understanding and camaraderie and, and la the joke landed well in, in my household, at least. Because one of the other things that we talk about making sure lands well is that some people include sort of like a holiday family annual newsletter in their in their card. Mm -hmm. And it's often like a printed out insert that goes in along with it. And what would you say are some of the tips to make that a really great read? It's not easy. It's hard to keep it positive without feeling boastful or coming across as boastful. But I do think that the, the core advice to, to keep it positive and share things that you're proud to share, happy to share is a good place to start. I think that it's also okay to recognize hardship or mm -hmm. difficulties. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes these newsletters are about catching people up on what's been going on over the last year. Mm -hmm. But if you are going to include that kind of information, I think keeping it very clear, very simple, and not letting that be the the sole focus or the only thing that's communicated in the letter, but that it's given some context with some other information so that it doesn't become the, the, the sole feeling that's communicated. And I can't give advice about writing anything without thinking about our grandfather, Bill Post Poppy, who used to say, I'm sorry this letter got so long. <laughs> if I had more time, it would have been shorter. And <laughs> <laughs> the idea is that be your own editor, take a look at something, say what you want to say, but say it clearly. And I think this is really sound advice to keep in mind, no matter what you're writing. Absolutely. As you all prepare to start the holiday season, we hope that this gets you excited and feeling good about sending cards or about skipping this year. If this is your year to skip doing them or not start doing them, we understand that too. And that we can all start to enjoy a little bit of holiday cheer. You know Dasher and Dancer and Prancer and Vixen, Comet and Cupid and Donner and Blitzen. But do you recall the most famous reindeer of all? Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer had a very shiny nose. And if you 
ever saw it You would even say it glows All of the other reindeer Used to laugh and call him names They never let poor Rudolph Join in any reindeer game We like to end our show on a high note, so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world, and that can come in so many forms. Today, we begin with a salute from Emily. Dear Lizzie and Dan, an hour before I was scheduled to pick up groceries this morning, I got word that my grandfather had passed away. Upon returning home, I discovered not one, but two bags of Reese's Pieces tucked into my order. This is not the first time that I've gotten a little something extra, some flowers or some fruit that they had to be taking off the floor later that day anyway, and it never fails to put a smile on my face. But today's hit me something extra, and I need other people to know how much it means to me. So a big dose of gratitude to the staff of the Kroger on Dorothy Lane and Woodman in Dayton, Ohio, not just for today's needed comfort candy, but for their ongoing service throughout this pandemic and the little quiet ways that they have bettered my day, and I'm sure countless others. Emily. Emily, thank you so much for your salute, and we are so sorry for your loss, but it's so encouraging to hear that the world was watching out for you in these little ways, and and that you see it not just in in a moment of true need, but, but in the everyday work that this particular grocery store tends to do. Emily, thank you so much for the salute. And Dan, I want to take one second to offer a salute of my own, and gosh darn it, I am getting choked up just thinking about it, but as as you know, sadly, my cat Denim passed away this week, and and I've had him for 18 years, and I have to say that the vet who came to assist me with this process was... I I cannot speak enough to how incredible she is at this particular time in a pet parent or a pet owner's life. She helped me when Benny had passed away. She didn't put him down, but she did come and assist me with dealing with ashes and, and things like that. And I was once again just bowled over with her tenderness, her patience, and how incredibly skilled she is at hand-holding someone through a, a really difficult decision. And I just want to give a shout out to Dr. Carrie, who's here in Vermont, because um, she truly has been, I think, an angel for me and a lot of other people. So thank you very, very much, Dr. Carrie. And thank you for letting me do a little tearful salute. Well, I will add my voice to that salute. Thank you, Dr. Carey, for taking such good care of Lizzie and Denim. And thank you for listening today. And thank you to everyone who sent us something and everyone who supports us on Patreon. Please connect with us and share this show with friends, family, and coworkers, and on social media if you wish to. You can send us your next question, feedback, or salute by email to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a message or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, we are at EmilyPostInst. On Instagram, we are at EmilyPostInstitute. And on Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. Please consider becoming a sustaining member of this podcast by visiting patreon.com slash awesomeetiquette. 
You can also subscribe to the ads version of our show on Spotify or your favorite podcast app. And please consider leaving us a review. It helps our show ranking, which helps more people find awesome etiquette. Our show is edited by Chris Albertine and assistant produced by Bridget Dowd. Thanks, Thanks, Chris Chris and Bridget. Bridget.